0: Love Talk Radio.
1: And all. Yeah. Become one with this poetic family as we enjoy each other's company. A mixture of R and B and spoken word, where the angelic Poetry. so guess what? It's time for you to step up. Be heard. And be heard, only the angelic poetess, so guess what, step up and be heard. The angelic poetess, the angelic poetess,
0: original, original, original. Good
1: Evening Poets, Fans, and Friends, this is the Poetess, this is another night of the original Poetry After Dark, and tonight we showcase Cambridge. All right, so I have a line full of people, and I'm sure you're all waiting here, Cambridge, but if Cambridge is on the line, I need you to press 1 because I have a lot of Atlanta calls right now, and I don't know which one is you, Okay. If you want to call in to speak to Cambridge tonight, the number to dial is 347-826-9842. Cambridge is also a guest that was featured in Poetry After Dark, hmm, I'm going to probably say a year ago. Really excited to have him back on. So um, get ready because he'll be here shortly. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play some music so I can confirm that he's on my line, and then we're going to move into the interview. All right, so I'll be right back. Let me
2: check the Hey, what's going on? Is
1: this campus?
2: Yes, ma'am. All right. <laughs> <a guess. laughs> oh God. Man, how, how late was I the last time? <laughs> mm, last time you were about forty five <laughs> late. I was just like oh, wow? Real? I know it yeah. was that late.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. wow
2: hey, you know, every every, every time we do it, we do a little better, right? Yeah.
1: Cause you know, we get it
2: right. Yeah. So what's what's going on with you? How are you feeling?
1: I am wonderful. Um, I got one of my favorites in the seat tonight, so I'm really looking forward to the interviews.
2: Me too. <laughs> Me too. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen, but uh, <laughs> whatever it is, it's, it's it's gonna be something special. <laughs> I know. Well,
1: I it won't hurt. I won't hurt you. <laughs> what did you say? I said, I promise I won't hurt you too bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, now.
1: <clears throat> All right. So we have um, Cambridge is a Atlanta native, correct? Cambridge, are you hearing me on that What's the other end? What did you say? You are Atlanta native, Georgia native? Yes, yes.
2: Yes. I hear uh I hear that's a rarity around here. I've been here all my life and all I hear is God, dang, you special <laughs> and, and just you know, this little stuff like wow, I didn't I didn't I didn't realize that there were uh so many people here who were not from here. Um, you know, until I <clears throat> until I started, you know, just growing up and everything and, and meet meeting more people and stuff. Atlanta seems to be a uh a very popular place. Um it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the city, you know.
1: Was. Yeah, I love Atlanta. <laughs> so, um, how was it
2: growing up in Atlanta? Um, you know, <laughs> I was just I was just talking about talking, to, you know, about this with somebody the other night. I I think um, my life it hasn't been you know ex hasn't been like really extraordinarily bad, you know, or um, you know or anything like that. I uh, it's just it's just regular. It's just regular to me. You know, I I was born in um I was born at East Point. Uh stayed in East Point till I was in the third grade. Uh don't you know, I was in a in a quiet neighborhood. There wasn't too much going on. All I did was just go to school, you know, and come home and uh then moved over to uh, the Bankhead area. Um and I was over there from the third grade until I graduated. actually until until I came home from college, um, that was, that was tough. That that was probably the, the, you know, the toughest neighborhood I'd, I'd ever lived in. Um, you know, thank God. I, I didn't have to, there were a lot of things that, that are, that were around that, that could have affected me in a negative way. And, and I didn't allow them to affect me that way. And, and God didn't allow them to affect me that way. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that you know i never got any in any trouble or anything never got mixed up with the wrong people nobody ever bothered me um but you knew seeing the needles on the ground and the little baggies and hearing the the machine gun fire every night (laughs) you know like you knew there was something going on that that wasn't normal you know that wasn't right but like like i reiterate thank god I, i didn't have to um deal with any of that directly um a large part of that has to do, you know, in my older life. I, I went to school out of state. I went I went to college in Florida, uh, you know, for 3 years. So for that 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 part of my life I wasn't even here um to after have to, have to deal with any of that. And then when I came home from school, um I was here for a couple of weeks and uh moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. I was in in Charlotte staying with my aunt. And that was when I wrote my first book in 2005 when I was when I was staying in North Carolina um i was i wasn't tired of atlanta (laughs) you know or anything like that i was just uh going through some things with some folks here at the time and and felt like i needed to to move to a different space and it was good you know i got up there and i got a job and you know i i had my own space to kind of do me and in that in having all that that time and that that space i kind of you know, I started. I started writing poetry. I started getting serious about it. I, I had started writing it a couple of years before then, but I I didn't really plan on doing anything with it. You know, what I didn't. Mean? I didn't plan on making a business out of it or or anything like that. It was just <clears throat> it was something to do. It was it was therapy. You know, just just getting getting feelings out. And that's I feel like that's all it should be. You know, at its core. Um. Over this, so, it's been five years. It's been five years since I started, and I cannot say. That out of the the different things that I've done in poetry, my my view towards the art <clears throat> haven't changed at all. I don't I don't care how successful I become, or how many interviews I do, or how much how much money I make. Any time in the future, it's always just going to be a form of therapy for me, and 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 that's it. You know, and that's that's what makes it so great. Um, it's it's never going to lose its integrity in my heart. You know, um, <clears throat> poetry. So when you start um, college.
1: What was you
2: studying? I was studying music education. Um, funny you should ask me that because I hadn't played my horn and um, I hadn't played my saxophone in about five years. And I decided a couple weeks ago that I'm, uh, I'm going get to this, get this old girl fixed and uh, get back on her. But I was, I was doing music education at Bethune Cookman College. Um, I was in the marching band down there and I was in there concert band and some funny band, and that took up a lot of my time. You know, uh, I still found time in between to uh, to write, um, but primarily when I was down there, you know, music, music was my thing, and then, you know, like I said, of course, when I came back home, the, the writing picked up. I started doing it more often. So, have you ever
1: thought about putting music and poetry together? Um... Uh,
2: I I think about it sometimes. Honestly, I I think it's kind of corny, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, oh, I used to think that. You know, there there are there are very few very good examples of what you know music and poetry together should sound like. Um, they're out there. There's just very few of them, and, and you know, one thing that really motivated me to do that was uh, one poet that really motivated me to do that was Queen Sheba. And she's a, you know, she's a really big poet here in Atlanta. And, you know, she's a, a really big poet around the country and probably around the world. Um, she, I own three of her CDs. Um, I purchased her latest one uh, a couple of years ago when it came out. And hearing that, that, that that made it, I didn't feel like it was possible for me to do anything like that. but But hearing her do that and, and everything, um, and just seeing the entire process. I went to the album release party and I like I said I own it. Just seeing all of it happen like right before my eyes kinda you know, let me know that I can do that too. So, um, if I I keep folks keep telling me all the time, you know, you should put your poetry the music, you should put your poetry the music, but I don't want it to just be some you know, like somebody playing a trumpet in the background and I'm I'm talking in a sexy voice, you know, or, or something. I'm not I'm not trying to knock that. That's just not it's not my style it's not it's not what I would like to do um you know, I definitely want to do something different and I actually have recently uh started looking around at you know some some different studios so i'm I'm gonna be taking some tours and and getting some pricing and and uh I hope to be recording something sometime this fall um so that's that's another thing to look out for <laughs>
0: know.
1: okay well, I'm definitely um glad that you're not gonna do away with it because it's. <laughs> I'm just done right I do feel you want, some of it don't have no business having that type of music in fact, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you no. Know, you just i just i just it's like i
2: say i'm not I'm not trying to knock it everybody's got their own thing, different people have have different styles that's what that's what makes us unique, but I also feel like if if you're gonna do something, um you know like do it right. You know, do it do it do it to the best of your ability. I know some some folks that get what well, not just with poetry but where any art form is concerned, sometimes we get so excited. Um, you know how you, you got those people that walk in the store and they just got a whole bunch of money in their pocket and they just buy like the first thing they see for no reason, you know? Um, they don't even really need it. It's kinda like that sometimes. It's kinda like, you know, you're a poet and you got a homeboy or home girl that's that's gonna hook you up with some studio time or you got somebody that's gonna publish you or, or whatever. It's like you just, you jump at the first thing, um, <clears throat> the first offer that you get, and I just I just don't believe in doing it. I believe in you know you take your time, take some time to make something that's 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 quality, that's you. Um, have have a, a purpose, have a reason for it. That's that's anybody who ever asked me about my my writing process, you know my poetry, every single line in my pieces, there's a reason for that. Every single word, there's a reason for that word. Um, nothing is, I don't just, like, throw stuff in there, like, oh, I run out of ideas, I'm just gonna fill it up, you know, with some fluff. Like, I don't do that. Uh, I try, I try to not, I try not to do that, you know, at all costs. And I I feel like when it comes to a full body of work, um, we should apply that same principle. You know, like, take your time, be patient. I know you, you know, I, I get real hyped and excited about stuff. I got, like, a Three thousand ideas in my head right now, you know. everything, there's a process to everything. Everything takes time, and you have to, you have to, you know, be able to to nurture that and let it let it come along when it's ready, you know. Um, you know. And then pray that people will buy it. <laughs> pray that people will like it, and pray that people will buy it when it's done.
1: So when you're about to write something, is it a plan or is it just something that happens? Um. You know, sometimes
2: sometimes it is planned. I have pieces that something that happened in society or you know, in my personal life or, you know, in someone else's life and I automatically think, you know, like I need to I need to write about that. And it doesn't always it doesn't always come out. You know, there are some pieces that are have been stuck in my head for years and they're still there and I'm still I'm still writing. So um in that sense, no. Sometimes they do just, just flow out. You know? Um and uh, it's, you know, it's nothing really you can do about it when that happens. But um, I can't really put like a, you know, I can't really put like a percentage on it. like this percentage of stuff is this and this, you know, stuff is that. It's just it's <laughs> it just depends, you know. But it, it is it is a little bit of both. I don't believe I don't believe in forcing myself to write. Um, I do believe uh, there's a healthy way to do it. Um, A.K.A. different challenges like you know, this 30 and 30 challenge that's going on with this month, with National Poetry Month, um, you know, just different types of things, getting together in, in different writing groups or getting together with a writing partner and kind of, you know, bouncing stuff off of each other and, and, and giving each other prompts and everything. That's a healthy way to do it, but as far as, you know, sitting down and saying, like, I got to write about this, or I got to write something, you know, kind of like, um, you got some people, like, if something big happens, but kind of like with the Haiti thing, um, it seems like when when the earthquake happened, everybody and their mama felt like, okay, I just absolutely have to do a haiti piece, <laughs> you know. And and that's fine if that's the way you feel, but that's just not the way. That's not the way my process works. It has to, it has to come, you know. I, I don't I don't feel like I need to I need to do this to like keep up with with the other poets or,
3: or anything.
2: The stuff that comes out, it comes out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> You know.
0: Yeah.
1: So, do you participate in collaboration? Do you have any pieces that collaborate with anyone else? Um, (laughs) I have not.
2: (laughs) I have not collaborated with anyone. Um. What? And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Um, I've a couple people have asked me to, and it's hard for me at times because. As much as I, you know, print my work up and 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 sell it to folks or, or you know put it on the internet, um, my work is still personal, and and that's maybe that's like an issue that I have. Like all of my work is is personal to me. It, each and every piece is, is is special to me. And even if I collaborate, like I'm I'm not just gonna go do a collab with some, somebody for the hell of it, <laughs> you know, like just just because a new thing to do or the next thing to do or whatever. So I guess um I I haven't felt I haven't maybe I haven't, you know, gotten the right energy from a person or I haven't I haven't the right opportunity hasn't come along. Um not not saying that uh I don't know, I just I don't know. I don't know. I, I get into this whole thing about style too. Um I feel like when you do a, a collaboration with someone, um, your style shouldn't be too far (laughs) from each other, you know? Um, I don't, I I, I feel like, you know, if it's one piece, it it should be one piece. Um, Unless you're doing um, like a project with somebody, if it's like a collaborative project, like a a book, you know, the e-book or a print book or what have you, um, or even something with audio, then there's a, I think that's that's an opportunity for for both voices or all the voices to kind of you know be independent and, and kind of shine on their own. But as far as doing one piece, um, you know, and I'm real anal about this. If it doesn't look anything close to the way I sound, I'm I'm probably just gonna just take the project by myself. <laughs> and I don't know how it's coming out right now. I don't know how it sounds. <laughs> Um, that's that's just the way I am, you know. That's just the way I am. Not that's not to say you know I'm better than anybody or anything like that. Like I'm just different, you know. And um, and if it don't if it don't fit for me, it just don't fit, you know. Uh. I
1: understand. Cambridge, I to take a break and I'm gonna come back and we're gonna talk about still writing techniques, okay? Okay. All right.
2: What do you consider your technique in, in writing? Um, my technique, my technique. Can I be honest? <laughs> oh, please, nah, please. really. Um, my my technique is is whatever the hell I feel like doing at the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, really. I it just it just um. I read now, I read, I read a lot of poets. I I read um you know, I read a lot of a lot of dead poets, a lot of the dead poets are my favorite poets. Um I read a lot of you know, poets that are out now uh that are you know, really really good and 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 there are just so many different styles and you know, just the, the type of person I am, I can't see myself like sticking Stand in one in one box, you know. I don't really have like a um, like a specific <laughs> technique. I just I got I got you know if you go through one of my chat books, um, any one of them, each each piece is is different. Um, each piece will have a different rhythm. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, just just different words that I use. It really just depends on where I am and how I'm feeling at the time. Uh, what I talk about and, and how, how I talk about it. I, I don't try to, I don't try to stick to a certain thing. Luckily for me, um, folks like it, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I really appreciate that everybody who's listening and everybody who, uh, who's read my work online. And uh, if you had, if you bought one of my books, if you haven't yet, please get it now. Um, you know, you I'm 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 glad that because I really don't I I I don't really try to to do a certain thing uh, I just um if I try anything I just I just try to to dig as as deep as I can uh, within myself um, and express whatever I'm feeling as, as clear as possible <laughs> as clearly as possible so people can understand it you know um, I don't I don't really get into like. I don't write a piece trying to be, like, ultra deep, you know? Um, I actually really try to make it as, as simple as I can. I want it to be, you know, I want it to be artistic. I want it to be, of course, you know, like, I'm a, I'm a Leo, right? So anything I do, I want it to be, like, super great, you know? But, but um, at the heart of all of that, I feel like if I put out this, this really, really good piece and nobody understands it, well, who does that really serve, <laughs> you know? Um you know, I, I want want my readers to be able to, to feel where I'm coming from, because not everybody can can get on the phone or get online and listen to the interview. You know, not everybody's gonna be able to stop me on the street and and ask, hey, what did you mean in that line? You know, when you, well, what, did, why did you come up this time? Not not everybody's gonna be able to email me or, or call me or or whatever. So when I'm writing, um, I just I have a message, and I I try to. I convey that message as, as creatively as I can and uh, as, as simply as I can, so as many people around the world can can get that message. You know, both while I'm here and long after I'm gone. <clears throat>
0: so,
1: when you actually write your piece and share it on the internet, do you have a format that you stick to?
2: Um, as far as you I mean, as far as the the shape of the piece, or
1: you got it. Huh. The shape of the piece, how are you gonna actually write it down? If you type it up, how? I mean, is there a certain format? I really. You're using let
2: me tell you what I do. This is what I do. I don't even the, the anybody who who to my pieces online or, or in my books, it doesn't even start out like that. I basically write in a block. Um, I don't use um I don't use much. I used to use like a lot of punctuation. I used to capitalize like every first line of my stuff, and I kind of you know. Um, I don't do that anymore uh the only punctuation I use really are commas, and I just write in a block on a page and I just go from margin to margin i just I just fill up a page or, or fill up a block, and then when I type it, I type it in that block, and then I kind of go and I read through it and I decide you know where I want to do my line breaks and everything um Of course, I don't use when I'm writing, I use the commas just to to no. To me, you know, this is where I might want to break a line or this is where I might wanna, you know, you know, do whatever. Um, but I don't I don't use any of that when I when I type anymore. Um I <laughs> I was talking to somebody sent somebody a message about this the other day. On Facebook, um I, I have a poem up that I did recently and he asked me about the shape of the poem. Um, I got some lines that kind of you know, like descending lines like steps. Um I have one uh word it's a word but it's it's vertical with it kind of pokes out like an arrow you know um pointing outwards I don't know if you can visualize that but um you know he basically asked me you know like why did I do that and my explanation to him was for me with well, poetry it's it's more than just the words on the page it's it's how it's how the words feel you know, how, how they how they how they look on the page, how they sound, how they feel in your mouth when you say them. Um, there I like to I like I like a lot of action in my pieces, you know. Um I want you to, because 'cause 'cause I'm telling a story all the time. All my pieces are stories, whether they're, you know, short or long. And like if something explodes, I want you to feel that explosion. So and in that piece, when I write explosion, I have like um I do like the e and then I do a space and then I do the x and I do like two spaces and it's kind of the word kind of it explodes like is I want I I like my pieces to be real visual um some of them are more visual than others that 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 one that I'm I'm talking about that's an extreme case but um as far as writing like I don't I don't do any I just I just keep it simple you know, I write my little block on the page and then when I type it up, um, I go and I do stuff to it. And again it just it just depends on how I'm feeling at the time. I change stuff around all the time, like I don't feel like putting it right there. I didn't put it on the line by itself or, or whatever and I read it and because, you know, another thing is again with people not always being able to get in contact with you and, and say, Well, what did you mean by this or, or whatever, I I'm real I'm real funny about people reading my pieces the way that I wrote them. You get what I'm saying? Like if I'm if I'm reading my piece and I take a breath, I want you to take a breath too. If if I'm reading my piece and and I feel something, I want you to feel it too if I, you know, stop somewhere or or just whatever. <clears throat> I want you to be able to experience whatever it is I was experiencing when I wrote it. Um and like I said again, it's just it just depends. <laughs> it just depends on what, what, what's going on me at the time. I could be, you know, sitting on the bus writing it or sitting at a table or, or walking, typing it on my phone or, or whatever. It's just, uh, it's, it's never a certain thing. Um, but uh, it gets out there.
1: When you do write it and you're reading it to yourself or you're spitting it, it's written on how you expect to spit to it, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: for the mo- for the most part, for the most part, I also I change the way I read my piece sometimes for certain venues. Um, it depends on I read it a cer I might read it differently at my book signing um, or in a small intimate space than the way I read it at an open mic full of a hundred people or <clears throat> on a on a blog talk radio show. Um, I might do that, you know, sometimes because I of course I hear it I hear it a certain way in my head when I'm writing it. Um, but sometimes, you know, you may have like a time constraint, you know, um, or, you know, a limit to how many pieces you can do and, you know, and just wanting to get them all out. I can, I guess, some of, I guess some of my pieces can be, um, they can be classified as spoken word pieces. I guess, even though I don't really, I don't really see myself as a spoken word artist. Um, they're kind of versatile, and that's something that I like about them. I can read them. I can get up on the stage, and I can act them out, you know, and I can um, read it as if, you know, I'm a, I'm a slam poet or, or a, spoken word, a spoken word artist. But then at the same time, I can read the same piece, um, you know, slow and quiet or whatever, the way I really intended it for it to be read, the way I heard it in my head first. Um, and that doesn't really it doesn't really de- degrade the integrity of the, of the piece much.
1: Um, I don't
2: think so.
0: <laughs> you know?
1: hmm, That's interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about your first book. Uh, actually, before we talk about the first book, how many books have you written?
2: Whew, four. <laughs>
1: four. You've been busy. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let's talk about the first book.
2: Um, The first book, dedicated was, again, I was, it was, it was 2005, you know, I was staying in, um, staying in North Carolina. I had, had all of the poems that are, that are in that book were finished probably, you know, about two or three years before that. Um, at the time I was just, I I just had all these pieces and I was thinking, you know, like, I want to do something with them. I didn't just want to, I'm not really, um, I don't really write journals. You know, I, I don't know how to keep journals. I have, I have to share everything because I have to, like I said, writing poetry is, is therapy for me. It's it's a release. I can't just, like, write something and just keep it around and keep it around and let it stack up or whatever. Like, I have to share it with people like, ooh, this is how I feel. Um, And then another part of that is, well, maybe you feel like this too and maybe this can help you too. That's another reason why, <clears throat> why I like to share my pieces. So I've gotten to the point where, you know, I wrote the pieces, and I had kind of gotten over those feelings, or found some kind of way to deal with them. And it was kind of like, well, what do you do next? <laughs> you know, do you just let these things sit around and collect dust, or do you maybe, um, you know, try to offer some kind of therapy or or entertainment or what have you um, to someone else? And that's what I decided to do. I, I wanted to put 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 a book together. Uh, I didn't know if I wanted to sell it. At first, you know, this was just going to be something that I was going to put together and and hand out to my my close friends or, you know, my family or what have you, because um, I just I just like making stuff, you know. And then, when when someone read my pieces and you know other people people read them and it's like oh this is really good blah blah blah, um, then I was thinking you know well, maybe maybe I can sell these, you know. So I I was working my little job and you know I saved up my little money and and got my books made, Um, you know, I went online, I I did the research, I learned about barcodes and ISBNs and what this page should look like and what that page should look like and just all the specifics and everything and, um, you know, to the best of my ability at the time, and I put my book together, and it, you know, it didn't really do much, you know, I didn't, I didn't sell too many copies, Um, I didn't promote it much because I wasn't, I wasn't as confident in my work Then, as I was now, you know, like then it was just something to do, you know. Now I'm like, I'm like hustling, you know. Um, but back then it was just, uh, I can say it was just some stuff I needed to get out. Um, the second book,
1: huh? Did you title the first book?
2: Did I do what?
1: Did you title the first book?
2: You said, Did I title it? Yeah, it was dedicated, dedicated. Um. What I did was again I again this was just something I had just planned on passing out at first. So that cover design, what I did was I wrote up a list. I still got the papers to this day. I I had this little little you know, little yellow paper notepad and I wrote out a list of every single person that I have ever known that has ever affected me in some kind of way. I mean I'm talking classmates all the way back to preschool. <laughs> Teachers. Um, just um, employers, coworkers, family members, everybody it had to be like I don't know how many people it was. It had to be like like six or seven hundred people, you know, that I had known at the time. Um, you know, like personal. Um, so what I did, I took as many names as I could. I put them in alphabetical order, and I put them on a the book. And that that was the cover design. And that was it was dedicated. That that was me saying thank you for these experiences because you know, the pieces, um, while I'm concerned, you know, poetry, it doesn't just, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. You know, there's always a muse. There's always something that, that, that influenced you, that that inspires you to write that piece. Um, sure you write it and you get it down and you use your style, but if that inspiration wasn't there, you, you wouldn't have had anything at all, you know? Um, so that was, me just saying thank you, whether they were people that I, I didn't give a crap about at the time, people that did me wrong, people that, you know, I mixed in people I didn't like with the people I love. You know, um, either way, they all influenced me in some kind of way at the time. So that that was my dedication to them. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the second book, Revenge of the Pink Pony, um, <clears throat> that one that one came about, what, three years later. In two thousand eight, because it's two thousand ten now. Right? Yeah, two thousand eight, April two thousand eight. Um, between I had I had gone through a period of uh, slight, slight independence, <laughs> and and slight homelessness. Um, <clears throat> between uh, two thousand six and two thousand eight. Um, the slight homelessness being like closer to the end you know, closer to the end of that period. And uh, that, in that time, I met some really great people. I, I moved to a new neighborhood. I was staying in the uh, Little Five Points neighborhood in Atlanta, which is a really, uh you know, really artsy place to be. Um, <clears throat> met some really great people. And a really good friend of mine, Linda Costa, uh, introduced me to this poet named Charles Bukowski. And to this day he remains my favorite poet in the universe. Uh but anyway, um Revenge of the Pink Pony is 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 themed after him in in, in you know, who he was and the things he said in his work. Uh I I developed a, a close relationship with him um, even though you know he he was dead, he died in 1994. But I, I developed a close relationship with him and his work at the time. Um, also because we're both Leo's, our birthdays are like a couple of days apart. So everything he wrote about, even though he's older than I was, you know, he was writing this stuff. Everything that he was writing about, um, you know, I, I, just about everything. <laughs> I you know I felt that on the inside, and I, I could really identify with that. So in a way, he kind of um <clears throat> you know in a <clears throat> I guess artist kind of, he kind of possessed me a little bit, you know, um, it, it influenced my work a lot. Uh, that, that time when I started reading Bukowski, that's when my, um, I started developing my vocabulary a little better. Uh, my style had changed drastically. That's why I don't even like dedicated. <clears throat> folks still, I still have, a, I, I work at a coffee shop and I have my book on the shelf. And people coming in <laughs> wanting to buy my book, and they're like, no, 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 I want you to buy my new book. You know, um, I just, I don't even, I, I I I don't even want anybody to see Dedicated anymore, because that was a whole nother person. It's a whole nother style. I was, I was talking about different stuff. I was a whole, completely different person at the time. It was a complete um, 360, me. you know, between the, the the first book and the second book. Um, but The Pink pounding basically, is poetry. Um, I had gone through some other things, you know, some, some, some criticisms uh, regarding my work, and uh, just regarding poetry in gen- in general. You know, I've had people, I've been to readings or, or shows, and I've had people come to me and say, "Well, you know, you shouldn't be selling a book; you should be selling." A CD, or you should be selling a DVD, because you know these niggas don't read. You know, I have people come up to me and say stuff to me like that, and and Revenge of the Pink Pony is basically, you know, my statement to them saying, you know, um, shut the hell up. Don't underestimate mm-hmm. this 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 art form. You know, I feel like there's a poetry is in everything. Every every writing form, poetry is like the the DNA of writing. Period. It's it's what makes all writing beautiful, whether you're writing a, a screenplay or, you know, like, <clears throat> or you're writing a play, <laughs> you know, a stage play, or you're writing an R&B song or a rap song or whatever, it's it's that poetry element that that it gives whatever it is you're writing the extra little beauty and the extra little, little fire that it needs to, to attract people and touch people deeply, you know, I feel like without poetry like the world would just be it wouldn't (laughs) just be a dull place you know like all writing it would just be it's it's a thing that takes you know like extremely dry writing and and turns it into an oasis you know um that's what poetry is to me so revenge is just that it's it's my revenge Is saying you know don't just because you know these uh these lines are short and these books are small and uh you know, these open mics don't exactly attract thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you know, like some of the other, some of the other writing, um, writing styles do. Uh, don't count us out, you know, because mm-hmm. we're where you get all of your good stuff from, us. <laughs> basically.
1: So end, do you feel like with the third book that you made a huge change in your writing or did you pretty much stay the same?
2: With the third book? Um, you know, the third book is kind of like a piggyback off the second one. Um, and it's, it's not even, it's not really a full book. It's only eight pieces. Really. It's it's a small book. Uh, it's called the white horse. Um, I don't talk about it much. I need to folks really, let me tell you, everybody that's listening. You got to get the white horse. I, I put it online. It's up. It's up free online so you can read it. Um, I haven't. I haven't heard anything anything bad about it. Folks love it. Um, that that collection came from um, <clears throat> a little heartbreak. <laughs> you know, I almost kind of feel like, you know what happened with Kanye West, how he had his last album, and then, you know, his his mom died, and I'm you know, pretty sure he had some other things happen in his life, and then it seemed like he just come out with 808, 808 and heartbreak like from nowhere, you know? Um, it's kind of like that. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to write the white horse. I, I it wasn't like an idea, you know, anything that was that was um in my head or anything. I just I was really really hurt <clears throat> by someone, and I uh, I was sleeping one night, and I don't I don't know if you've have you ever been like yanked out of a dream, like like you're sleeping and somebody just uh, you know like. When you're sleeping, like, when you wake up, you're supposed to wake up, Um, like, waking up naturally is supposed to, like, come in stages, you know, like, you hit, like, the different the different sleep levels or whatever till you get all the way up to the top, and it's like, oh, this is when you're awake and you're feeling good. But if you're sleeping and somebody just comes, you know, like, just grabs you up, you feel like crap <laughs> when you get up because you didn't get to wake up naturally, and that's that's kind of what happened to me. Um, I was in this dream and something happened, and I got up at, like, I don't know, like, 6, 6.30 in the morning. And I mean, I was physically sick, like my stomach was twisted, I had a migraine headache, I was sweating like a doggone. Somebody had just threw me in a bathtub. You know, just just all kind of stuff. And uh I don't know, for some reason I just I just started writing. <laughs> I just started writing and uh, you know, these I think it's nine pieces. These uh these nine pieces came out of that. I didn't take a break. I wrote for like three hours straight, just one piece to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And um, that morning, I, of course, when I got done, I took a break, you know, I went back to sleep and uh, woke up and typed it up and and put it online, and, and folks really, really liked it. So I just said, well, hey, let me, you know, let me print up a couple of these so I can pass them out or whatever. And um, that was kind of like unofficially my third book. Um, and then as my most recent project, Ain't No Grits um, which came about last year. Um, I had been wanting to, after, after doing Revenge of the Pink Pony, I did not want to go three or four years again, you know, without putting out a new project. Um, so I knew I wanted to, to do something new. I had new material, But getting back, you know, to the beginning of our conversation, it has to be a purpose. Like, I'm not just going to put a book out for the hell of it, like, just to have something new. There has to be a reason behind it. Something's got to happen. Um, So I know I wanted to do something. Uh, Long story short, I ended up taking a trip to Seattle. Um, I was in Seattle for a week, you know, doing doing my little exploring and stuff. I attended uh, Open Mic. There, I um, attended my very first one-man show, which was put on by a uh, spoken word artist, uh, J.W. Bass. Uh, he he was um, traveling the country at the time, at the time, doing a, doing a tour for his show. And while I was there, I think my second day there, I uh, you know I was hungry. I wanted to get some breakfast, and I didn't have any transportation. I was walking everywhere, so I went to this little diner and they didn't have any grits and <laughs> I almost got mad because like I heard already like one thing, one thing about Seattle, um, I definitely want to go back to Seattle. I actually plan to go there sometime this year. I, I would like to just, just go there and stay for a month, you know, if I can. But one thing that I didn't like about Seattle is that it were not no black people. And as much as I get tired of black people sometimes here in Atlanta, because just different attitudes and different ways we think and different things that happen, you know, I really, 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 really miss black people when I was in Seattle. So when they didn't have no grits, and it was like a couple of other things they didn't have, too, I was kind of feeling like, whatever, you know, but again, I that, that was amused for me. Um, I didn't really get mad, you know. I just got hash browns, and it was good. The food was still good. I ate. I got food. That's all that mattered. Um, but the I I I I try to see uh, a lesson in everything. I feel like everything happens for a reason, you know. And for me, the lesson in that was everything is not gonna happen exactly when you want it to, and and everything isn't gonna be ideal. You know, you're not gonna. Uh, there have been times that I've been really, really, really blessed. And I promise you, everything's been laid out on the table in, in silver platters, just like, here you go, take your pick, that type of blessing. And there have been some things in my life that I've had to work really, really hard for. Um, and you just have to kind of learn how to balance yourself between those. You, you you can't you can't be used to struggling so much that when something easy is before you, you don't jump at it because you, you think – Oh, that's, that's, that ain't even real. I'm supposed to be struggling, you know? That's why people stay in the hood. <laughs> that's why people stay in the hood their whole life, you know? I I feel like, um, just to give an example. But at the same time, you can't get so spoiled. If you live in one of those lives where everything is laid out for you on the silver platter and everything comes easy, you can't get so spoiled that when there comes a time when you have to struggle, you break down, you know? You kind of have to just kind of try to live in between both of those. So that was the lesson in it for me. Um, ain't no grits basically means, well, it ain't no grits. Do something else. <laughs> it's, it's, it's another alternative. Find your way around it. And for me, every that's what every poem in that book represents. Every if There are only 10 pieces in the book. I, I wanted it to be short. My first book, I had about like 50 pieces in that book, you know, and dedicated I think in Revenge of the Pink Pony there are 26. In um, <clears throat> In Ain't No Grits, I wanted there to be extreme focus on quantity and not, I'm I'm sorry, quality, quality and not quantity. Um, you know, you'll probably never see me do a chapbook with like 40 or 50 poems in it again, like ever. I, it'll probably only, you know, be like 10 or 15. A um, work really hard on those pieces, dug really deep. And like I can say each each one came out of necessity, you know. Um, each one came from experience of, you know, well, everything wasn't exactly ideal at this time, but I had to just suck it up, get over it, and, and figure out something else and keep pushing on, you know. So that's, that's what that's
1: about. About that book that you wrote, um, the pain book, so to speak, can you give us a piece from that book?
2: Um, <clears throat> which, which one?
1: The white one. From,
2: from, uh, I can't. God, I don't have
1: a, <laughs> I don't have <laughs> that one on. No,
2: nah, you know oh. what I do sometimes? No, nah, I print, like, I only, when I print my books, I only print up as many copies as I need. So I don't have, like, I don't have, like, stacks and stacks of books laying around. So the only place that is is on my computer, and I can't exactly get to it right now. I do, however, have a copy of Ain't No Grits. Right here, and I am prepared to read a couple pieces. I ain't no grits for you. Um, Sorry,
0: give us some no grits, alright? Okay. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, <clears throat> did you want me to talk about each piece, or did you want me to just do do a couple back to back, or?
1: Um, I want to go ahead and spit one, and then I'm I'm gonna ask your body once to hear it. Okay. Okay. I
2: do the uh, I do the title piece. It's the last piece in the book. <clears throat> Ain't no grip. <clears throat> it is colored people, not-so-colored people, straight people, gay people, transcendent souls, bloody broken arrows, aliens, oh my it is southern poets posing nude in hotel rooms with pungent heating and limp pillows, wondering what their parents might think, wondering what the world thinks, wondering if anybody thinks about anything anymore, wondering if they'll ever someday sell the clouds of literary stratocumulus cumulus or coke crash and clap burn. It is danger in back alleys lit by burning books, blue flame fueled by hateful chattering of yellow chicken broth teeth and taffy tongues. It is two tank almonds turquoise It is childhood diabetes on a stick In the palm of a Pakistani at the corner store It is making do with much of nothing It is premium French roast and dirty diner mugs Your newborn nephew learning to lie With a smile and a giggle Innocence lulled to dreamland By the moan of black tail and booty call It is love Writing when you should be working Writing when you should be attending to your mates Writing to feed yourself someday, it is falling asleep with a busted pen in your hand and re- make waking to scripture on your forearm. It is not getting the job because of your beliefs, it is the struggle. I am the vagrant you raised to be holy, the vagabond at home wherever there is wash rag and toothbrush and ballpoint. I am my father's son, my mother's rebel, my God's messenger, my lover's heartbreak. Breathe me. Suck this and scrunch your face like I am intolerable sex juice. Confess your need for freedom to the sky, to the pine cone, to the semi-automatic, to the gut, wherever your God calls home. Take a look around and when there ain't no friends, ain't no family, ain't no money, ain't no ticket, ain't no home, ain't no rules, ain't no hope, ain't no grits. MacGyver your way to the flash at the end of the tailpipe because there's someone in this cold, crazy world who loves you still.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: I must say, you definitely set your game up, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Um, so let's dig into that right there.
2: Um, basically, and I think this may be why some people, uh, get, might get confused sometimes because I, I, I don't just have one image in my piece. Most of my pieces, most of my pieces, um, are like collages, you know? Um, it's like, you know, I just took like like a thousand pictures and just, stuck them together to make um one thing. So I I I cycle between um uh a bunch of images in this piece. Um let me see, just just to God, they just they're just they're just all different things that happen in, in my life. Um they're all and they're all different examples of not exactly having what you want, you know, things not exactly being ideal um just like I said before, but you having to uh to push forward anyway. There there were Seattle Seattle was a great lesson in in freedom and independence and responsibility for me because uh I went out there I had never been, you know, that far across the country before. I had never flown on a plane for so long, you know, I had never, I don't think I ever flown on a plane, you know, by myself um, in my adult life. So that was, that was frightening enough. Um, And then I get over there and I don't know anybody. I don't know I'm, how I'm going to get around. And it's either, you know, you can, you can go to this new place and you can panic. <laughs> you know, I didn't have, I didn't go like with as much money as I wanted to. Um, So it was either like, you know, suck it up, budget find a ride, get out there and meet people, talk to people about, you know, poetry or, you know, go out there, whatever it is, for whatever it is you went out there to do or <clears throat> go out there and, and, and don't do anything. And I just, <clears throat> I had to adapt, you know, I, I had to, uh to 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 stick my neck out there and just, um you know, it, 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 it's, it was a good feeling. It was a scary feeling at the same time. Cause it's, it's like, you're really, alone, <laughs> you know, like you really, you don't know anybody. There's, there's no way you can turn to. Um, but luckily I was, I was able to meet some, uh, some really helpful people and I got some extremely helpful people who I, I love very much, Um, who are, who I did know before I went Um, just, you know, here in Atlanta and in the different parts of the country. And they, they helped me along the way too. Um, So, you know, it was with their support that I, I made it through in, in one piece. And made it through same, but um, as I said, that that piece is is I put it at the end of the book for a reason. It, it basically sums up the entire book. Um, uh, and and that last stanza, <clears throat> I just feel like somebody can uh, somebody can learn something from that, you know. Um, it's it's gonna be a time when you you don't you don't have any hope, you don't have a home, you don't have any rules. like you don't have any money, you don't have any family, like you don't have Anybody, but again, you can choose to make do with what you got, or you can choose to fail. And I, I, I don't have that option. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of us don't have that option. We, we can't choose to fail because a lot of us, you know, we have families and we have responsibilities, and, and you gotta just, you gotta just keep pushing. <laughs> um, and uh, and
1: that's why I just start at the end of your book. I mean, because listening to the piece, I definitely felt numerous amount of levels coming off that piece right there. So yeah. basically, summing up everything. So every piece that you have is basically going to be painted like that. It's going to have so many levels, or high levels, small levels.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, okay. just about, just about. Um, is it time for me to do one more?
1: Um, before you do another piece, um, let everybody know how they can find your work.
2: Okay. Um, oh, real quick, because I, I, I didn't really get to talk about this yet. So, you know, these days, um, I know you're familiar with uh, different uh, link, link shortening services. Like if you got a really, really long URL, you put it in there and it gives, it gives you this really short URL. Um, so people don't have to be like trying to type in like 50 characters to get to wherever you are on the web. Um, I have you know, got an opportunity to get my own, um, link shortening services. Uh, and it's, it's CJ4.me. Um, so pretty much anything I have, um, that's online, that's, that's like a really long link. I'm going to already shorten it for you. Uh, if it's a link to go buy my book or, um, you know, just just anything I have is like a, a singular product, or if it's it's just something temporary that that I would like for you to go check out. It's gonna start with cj dot Me. Um, and uh, you can pretty much rest assured that it's it's not a virus <laughs> or, or anything. Um, that's that's also I put my name on it to kind of give, um folks a a sense of security like you can click this link and you know that cambridge sent it like nobody else but me sent that to you so that's that's something that's got to do with poetry or my a show or like whatever i'm doing um the link to go purchase my book My book is five dollars uh 50 cents for shipping and handling um it's cjiv.me slash get your grits now that's it click the link, it takes you straight to the, uh, I use PayPal uh, as my, my online merchant. It takes you straight to the PayPal page. Um, all you have to do is uh just, just type in your information, and you got it. Um, allow uh, about a week, you know, up to seven business days for delivery, and uh, that's about it. And if you have, you know, there may be some people listening who, you know, you're listening to the show, but you're just not sure yet. I have a lot of work online. If If you're on Facebook, Frame me on Facebook. I a lot of my work on Facebook. Um, there's another link that I have. We have about 40 or 50 pieces up, and that's um, <clears throat> cj4.me slash Um So, you know, if you got any doubt <laughs> about whether you're going to like the book or not or, you know, like my style or whatever, just just go check me out online. You can Google my name and, and everything is up there, and hopefully, you know, you do decide that you like it and, and you just uh, put in that link and, and get your
1: Get your grips now. <laughs> Get your grip, Get your grip now. I like yo people in the chat room if you wanna uh call in and say what's up to Cambridge or have any questions for them or well, people on this on the line, if you wanna talk to Cambridge, go ahead and press one and I will go ahead and open up your line and the floor is yours. You can go ahead and stick that next piece. You said I can go ahead.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I know the last thing one of the last things I said when you when you were asking me about ain't no grit was uh <clears throat> I said keep pushing, you gotta keep pushing and uh that's that's this next piece I wanna do. It's it's uh officially untitled. Um but keep pushing are those are two words that I say at the very end. Um so this is uh this is this is about writing and I guess the writing process. Fine bald ink pen stalled mid adverb, stalled and stuck on yellow-blue striped mud like dead hand hoses, like Indiana Jones screaming for rescue, like Jessica Shell with no life raft or inner tube or bobby doll blow up biceps to stay afloat, yet not sinking or drowning or fighting flashes of life once lived, just stuck, bleeding, feeding the black growth Consuming the striped mud soaking through to the lower layers as if to send a stern message to new writers, poets, scribes, whatever they call themselves, that they too will encounter the consuming darkness mid-adjective, mid-simile, mid-life. And it is then that their future is marked forever. It is then that they are forced to decide between the third shift shit job or the starving writer shit life. $2.15 Two fifteen an hour plus measly tips and warm tap water under under the table or sympathy pots of generic pork and beans by candlelight and sycamore breeze. I say choose both. Bleed synthetic black into brown paper napkins and receipt paper between Bombay shots and extra size of blue cheese. Return your forty silver crumbs to the earth, to the corners, to the alleys to the slums, to the grit-faced butterscotch youngins who can't afford a lead pack or scratch pad, to the misguided on the run from the red dogs, to the bipolar first loves choking on noose threads embedded deep like sweet potato roots under Carolina blue haze. Toss them your jar glitter that they may cut themselves free of life's sneaker bottoms and feast on a real tip. Keep pushing. <clears throat> hmm.
0: Okay.
2: Um, <clears throat> that piece. It's a lot of stuff going on in there, and and a lot of a lot of my pieces start from like something real simple. Um, basically, I'll go through the first couple of lines. Fine ball ink pen stalled mid adverb stalled and stuck on yellow yellow blue stripe mud like a dead hand holds it. Um, I was writing on a yellow pad, yellow blue stripe pad, and you know how sometimes. You know how you have those? Uh, you got some of those pens where you leave it on the paper too long, it'll just bleed into the paper, and it'll just make this black dot, and it'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Mhm.
2: Well, that's that's basically what that image image was, and and the character in this piece, he's writing, and he's got writer's block. You know, he's flowing, he's flowing, he's flowing, and then, uh, you know, he just gets stuck. But and the pen is just laying on the paper, and it's just bleeding into the paper, and it's just make this hole. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's, that's how life can be sometimes, you know. Um, like I said, there have been times in my life where things have come pretty easy. There have been times in my life where I've, I've really had to fight for stuff. And so it's difficult when stuff is coming real good, and then all of a sudden there's a roadblock. You know, like, you go buy you go buy a brand-new car in your first car, and you, you have it for a week, and then somebody hits you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. You know, you go, uh, better yet, I like to eat. This is, like, I love to use this analogy. I get some food. You ever, like, made yourself a sandwich? You make yourself a bomb-ass sandwich. You put, like, all the – it's, like, perfect, and then something happens, and you drop the sandwich on the floor. <laughs> or
0: something like
2: that. Like, would you be mad? Like, I would be pissed off. So that's how life can be sometimes. And that's that's basically what that image is. Like, you know, you're flowing and you're going to get stuck. You're going to get writer's block. You're going to get life block, you know. Um, And you have to decide, depending on whoever's, depending on you at the time, you have to decide, again, just like ain't no grits. You have to make a choice. Am I going to sit here and am I going to cry about it? (laughs) You know, I'm just going to just kind of just be stuck in my little black pool of ink? Or am I going to keep pushing my pen and just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and writing until something good comes out? Am I going to keep, you know, am I going to, something messed up happens to me in life? Am I going to sit in my little corner and feel bad about myself and make a bunch of excuses, you know, or am I going to get up and be like, you know, whatever, I'll do something else. You know, and just 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 keep going because you know one thing I learned about life. You're gonna get you're gonna get stuck in the mud, but once you get yourself going, the mud can only hold you for so long. <laughs> you know, um, it's nothing 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 bad lasts forever. Just that's like nothing good lasts forever, and that's that's how I like to think about it. You know, like you know, great stuff can can go sour sometimes. It's it's the same thing. Sour things don't have to last forever. Like stuff is sour. Like so what? Just go on and get out of that. You know, mm-hmm. and just and just keep going until the next of thing comes along, and then you go and get out of that. You know, and this I know it's, it's easier said than done, but when you, when you, are constantly reminded of that's why I like this book. Um, when you're reading these pieces, even if you like just read you know one a day, or you you can really read the entire book in one day, and you're constantly reminded. Well, you know, well he's been through stuff and. He got it out stuff, and I can do it too and that's what it that's what it takes a lot of time sometimes we need to see an example of somebody else getting over. We need to hear someone else's story you know um so you know that's what i was that's what I was doing um with with putting this book together but it's it's in its in its most basic form it's it's about the writing process too, you know, because I did, I got stuck on some of these pieces, and some of them didn't get finished, um, you know, but I just, I didn't cry about it, I just put them down and, and picked them up later, and got it done, and uh, and that's that's how you got to do life.
1: So are you um, promoting this book um, as far as doing your little open mics and, and stuff, are you doing that on the
2: I haven't been to a lot of open mics, Um, I haven't been to, you know, as many as I should, um, I do a lot of other things. Of course, you know I have a day job, so I do that. And um, you know I get to open mics, but I also I promote events. Um, there, there are some other uh, uh, couple open mics that I help promote, and then there's my own show, um, The Corner Live. I got a Corner Live coming up on June 19th, actually. So uh, I'm working on that, and then I got the the publishing company that I'm building, um, 84th and Fifth Press. So you know, working on that (laughs) at the same time. So it's not like it's not like I don't have like all this free time to just like sit around and be a poet and write poetry. Like I wish I did. I really wish I did. I kind of wish sometimes that was the only thing that I had to do was just write and go to open mics and sell my book. Um, But it's not. um, People, uh, folks who are really close to me have have emphasized that. I have a greater calling in life and and I've realized that you know within myself um and I just I can't just I can't just do one thing. <laughs> you know, I have to uh I have to I have to be on top. Um not you know not to mean it in a negative way, but I have to be I'm I'm a leader. I'm a natural born leader and I feel like I can't I can't help people being on level 1. I have to learn how to get to you know I have to climb to level 10 so I can be able to be over here and be over there and, and help this person out and help that person out and this organization and that organization and stuff. And, like, that's just what I do, you know? So um, I can never just sit down and be, like, the writer, the poet, the author. Like, I have to be, I have to be the publisher. I have to be – if I were a musician, if I were, like, a rapper, I couldn't just be the rapper. I'd have to be the engineer and the producer and, and the whatever. Like I'd have to at least know how to do it, you know, um, just in case somebody somebody else couldn't do that for me. So, you know, I have been um, <clears throat> occupied with with a lot of other things, but miraculously, um, I've I've been able to to juggle them all. I think uh, quite well. So, yeah. I'm not sure, but we might have a person. They put their
1: hand that they want to the say something. Okay. Four seven eight, you're on air. let us know who his name is. Um, I'm Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I can say, I think I can say, I'm a pretty good friend of Cambridge, and oh, I'm was... <laughs> um, yeah, just calling in to tell you that I'm proud of you. And um, not only are you a beautiful writer, but you're a beautiful person. And um,
0: enjoy the show tonight. Thank
1: you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was really that's to set. Um, <laughs> if, if you have any other pieces that you want to read tonight,
2: um, yeah, we had a time. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Let me get through here. I well, I gave you I gave you a list of my pieces. Is there any piece you would like to hear uh, specifically?
1: I'm bad. Uh Gmail locked me out of my account so I had to do everything on top of my head tonight. <laughs> oh man. Okay, okay.
2: Oh, yeah. I'ma find something, I'ma find something. Um let me see. This piece, uh I'm gonna do this piece called uh I'm gonna do this piece called Sharing Forever. Um I really love words. I mean, I'm 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 obsessed. With with words and 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 putting words together, um, you know I like to <clears throat> I like to read and you know I like to I just I just like stories. Period. Like just whenever I'm in a I'm tired or I'm in a bad mood or you know whatever's going on, um, a good poem or a good story or, or what have you will will always keep me. It'll it'll get me right. You know um, whenever you know people. People aren't around always when you when I need them to be. Um, you know, not their fault. Stuff just happens. But uh, when, whenever the people aren't there, the words are there, uh, and that's that's what this poem is about. Um, my love affair with words. <clears throat> words are blankets for the lost-minded, shivering, tipsy as guardians of the night with no firearms. So while you count bullets. I count syllables. Heal with haiku that with which you have torn bloody with hollow-point glock round, and then the sky loosens. Jesus, Buddha, Allah, and some random atheist float to the ground on rainbow clouds, and some random jerk-off screams,
0: Oh my God! The gays are coming!
2: The gays are coming! The four floating faces of God reach out to me and bless me for not blowing my enemies away with smoking buckshot, but instead blistering my fingers nightly to build stories of someone who did blast away adversaries but did not live to tell about it. Sometimes we get to know ourselves better in the poem than we do in the mirror. The glass simply shows us how we look, and we have the ability to change that look yet still be the same person and make the same mistakes. But the poem shows us who we are. When the words lie down and soak into recycled canopies of jungles past, they reflect what is deepest inside you, what is nearest to your heart, what frightens the blood from you. Words are the soul Transcribed as dots and lines, curved, bent, broken into something that makes sense to the brain, slurred, spit, spoken into understanding. And when this understanding is so great that it moves mountains, that it diverts oceans to the galaxy, that it presses together plump lips once believed forbidden of one another, is when four of the thousands of faces of creation will float down to you on their gay clouds and each speak to you in its own tongue. Do what you wish. Be what you wish. There are no limits in your universe. Words are the grand cinder blocks of everything in existence. So when you have a chance, read to me. Write me a letter. Scream at me with all of your emotion. Whisper in my ears. Take me to worlds I have never imagined to kiss and shake hands with beings who will never exist outside of your poetry. Just speak to me, tell me a story, and as long as I can smell the forever on your breath, then even on my deathbed, I will never fall asleep. I will never, ever leave you
0: <clears throat> um. Oh. And that's
2: that's about poetry. It's 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 about a couple of things, but it's it's about poetry. Um, just to go through it real quick. Um, uh, I do. I have. Um, I'm not. I'm not homophobic. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll say that. I'm 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 not homophobic. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I, I don't I don't get into that whole. I I don't really get into the whole race. Thing You know, I don't really get into a whole uh, sexuality thing. I'm all the way into, like, the, the human thing, the human being thing. I feel like where where people are concerned, um, you know, as long as you uh, aren't, like, physically harming me or, or trying to poison me or, or, or just straight up just, just doing something, you know, crazy or bad to me, then I don't have any reason... To hate you, <laughs> or or to want to hurt you, or anything like that, and I feel like you know there there are some folks in the world who who think the opposite. They see someone who is different from them um, in whatever way, and it's just automatic. Like whether they were whether they were raised that way, or or you know whatever, you know just think like I'm supposed to not like you. <laughs> You know, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm supposed to not like you because you're gay. I can't be seen around you because other people are going to think I'm gay too. You know, I'm not supposed to be, uh, I'm white. I'm not supposed to like black people. Or I'm, 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 I'm Asian. I'm not supposed to like any of people. Like, you know what I'm Like, some people, it's crazy, you know. But there are people who actually think that way. And all I'm expressing really in the beginning of this poem, uh, is that I don't. Even where religion is concerned, um, I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. And the only person who can say whether you or I is right or wrong is God. You get know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's just that's that's just what I do. I don't I don't care if if I'm a Christian and you're a Muslim. I don't care if I'm Buddhist and you think God is a a, a, a Honda Accord you know, um, or a rock or a, a stick that fell off a tree, like, or if you don't believe in God at all or whatever, like that's not, that's, that's, that's your life. That's your personal walk. That's your personal thing you got going on and whatever's right or wrong. You have to figure that out. And whatever's right or wrong within me, I have to figure that out. But as long as you don't hate me and you're not, you know, like trying to shoot me in the face or run me over with your truck or whatever,
1: I don't have no beef with you. <laughs> You know? <laughs> if it ain't directly affecting you, mind your business. No, we Tell you. <laughs> Well, we're going to come right back and have her read a Definitely deep with the words. If you're not listening, you're going to miss out and, and, and not understand the piece. So, Sambridge, you're back on the line. with us.
2: Yo, 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 yo. Um, uh, go ahead. So, just wanted to read this this one last piece. Uh, this is called This is called You and Me, and um. I will admit i was I was a little bitter <laughs> when I wrote this, <clears throat> but also i have sometimes you know artists i feel like the the really good artists have the ability to um we have the ability to take on the emotions not not of ourselves not only of ourselves and and express that in some way, whether it be you know with a paintbrush or or a pen or what have you. Um, we also have the unique ability to feel other people. We can really, really uh, reach reach down into someone else and pull out whatever they're going through um, and write about it or, 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 you know, create based off of that emotion. And it can be um, – we could have not ever felt whatever it is that other person is feeling – at any time in our life, but just because we have that ability to, to reach into other other people so deeply and, and pull something out and make something out of it. Um I think that's that's what makes um a really dedicated artist um so unique. And in this piece, you and me, uh it, it started out being about one thing, you know, it, it ended being about something else. Um so basically it's about it's about appreciation. And um Again, uh, just something coming out of necessity and 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 humanity and understanding that people aren't always people aren't always going to be perfect all the time. And you can't you got this you know this one person in your life that's that's really special to you. You can't expect that one person to to take care of all your needs because they got their own little stuff going on, you know. Right.
0: Um.
2: So, uh, this piece started out uh being about you know, poetry and kind of like the feelings I had with Revenge of the Pink Pony. And, you know, there are some people that really, really love poetry and they really respect it. And, you know, they go see it and they hear it and they buy it. (laughs) They buy it when they when they like it, you know, um, and then you you still have those few people who don't who don't really appreciate it. Like, um, of course, I'm I'm a poet. I'm gonna be biased. Like, I think you should, <laughs> you know, I think you should. Um, and uh, under all circumstances, you you should appreciate poetry. Um, and just just a little bit, kind of the kind of given example. Um, there was on Facebook uh, another you know poet here in Atlanta. He had made a status about you know like some political stuff, and it got into this whole debate about Barack Obama and whether he's doing a good job and he's wasting all our money and, you know, whatever, whatever other, you know, gripes people have, and uh, I wrote a response. I don't normally do that. It kind of just, you know, just came out. I wrote this response um, to to that status message and was basically saying to the people that's complaining, like, shut up. Like, dude is like, he's He's one man, you know, like appreciate the fact that he's he may not be perfect, he may not have have written the bill that you wanted or written the bill the way that you wanted it written, or he may not have done something that that you that you like or whatever, but just appreciate the fact that he's better than what we used to have, <laughs> you know um appreciate the fact like respect the <clears throat> respect the order and the process of of government. And remember that although he's the man at the top, there's still other chains on the bottom that he has to go through. You know, this it's just a process of everything. And I think sometimes we we put so much pressure on a, a single person to be perfect. Um, one thing I I never wanted in, in this whole poetry thing is like – I want to be successful. I want I want people to buy my book, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want, I, I never, I always want people to remember that I'm human. And sometimes, you know, as an artist, I'm going to make something that you really, really like. And sometimes I'm going to make something you just sitting there scratching your head, like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, yeah. that doesn't make me a good poet or a bad poet. That just makes me a human being. Like, don't put all this pressure on me to to just, Spit out extremely good pieces <laughs> all the time, you know. Because again, like I said, my whatever comes out of me just just, just, just depends on what I'm going through. is is personal, you know. Um, so that's that's just just what this this piece is about. Like just kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, everybody's not going to be perfect. Um, appreciate the good stuff you do have instead of focusing on all the negative stuff. You know. Um, because when that when that good thing is gone it's like well what are you going to do then you know um, so this is uh <clears throat> you and me we made the kind of babies nobody ever wanted the kind that were purple black skin and pearl eyed they crawled with their with their heads down and prayed with their hands out attempted speech with their hearts glowing their lives unedited bodies of free verse cells, the runaway embers of flaming cherubim from before Christ. Bones stitched together by lightning bolts broken into backslashes. The spinal cords are bent into question marks, wondering, why? Why can't they express? Stretched to exclaim their love for the beauty of human life without being shot dead. Stones cold as the list transcends midway past the colon. Why? These offspring still attached to ballpoint Felt-tipped gel-bleeding umbilical cords covered in the oil-slick memories of first-time lovemaking, first-time rape, repeat occurrences of blessing, last-time breathing in. <sighs> we sing the songs that no one cares to really listen to. We write the love letters that will never be returned. We break our hearts to poor poetry that no one cares to read for sustenance. We dig our souls in desert earth, and then we bleed. We dig our souls in desert earth, and then we bleed. We made the kind of babies nobody ever wanted, the truth. Unclothed, wailing, crapping Crawling all over Fat and fearless Faces foaming and spittles splattered By spitting masses Who cry wolf cashless They say they need us But their pleas are classless They cry for healing But their tears are glass-like They fuss for substance And cut us nothing Well, who is going to feed us? Who is going to heal us? sister We get down, bubble, grind, mix, boil, bring forth. We make the babies they beg for, but never learn to handle. We sing the songs they refuse to listen to. We are the naked that no one thinks twice about. The homeless that only the homeless share thread or a crumb with. We are all we got. You and me. You and me. You and me. And when we're gone... Who will they fuss and complain and cry for next? Mm. Basically,
1: oh, basically,
2: <laughs> if you ask for something, if you ask for something and you get it, don't expect it to be like, like, tip top all the time. You know, like just mm. like you ask for it. You know, like country, like we ask you know we voted for him we asked for a black president stop being such an asshole and just let the man do his job you know um and that that lesson can be applied to anything now i'm just using the president thing as an example because that's the most recent thing to me but that, that can be applied to anything in life you know don't ask for you know a a great relationship and it doesn't Turn out to be as great as you thought it was gonna be, and <laughs> you start, It's like it's like you ask for a blessing, and then God gives you the blessing, and it's not like exactly what you asked for. It's got you know, it's got a tarnish on it, or it's bent someplace, or it's got a bad note, you know. And you're like, I don't want that shit. <laughs> you take it back. Like who? Like you don't do that. <laughs> you know, like well, I I don't I don't I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should do it, you know. Especially if it's something that you 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 holler and you complain about. You want something so bad, like just take it and and see it for what it is. And and you know maybe something better will come along next time. But appreciate what you have. That's what this entire book is about. Just appreciate what you have until something better comes along. There, <laughs> like just 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 live. You know, just live. <clears throat>
1: So I want to thank you Cambridge for coming on the show tonight and sharing your work and sharing your vision with us um, before I close out the interview uh, once again please let everyone know um, how they can contact you on Facebook and how they can uh, purchase your book
2: um, if you want to find me on Facebook or if you want to find me anywhere uh, just type my name in Google uh, Cambridge Jenkins the Fourth um, my Facebook page, my MySpace page my Twitter account, all that stuff will pop up uh, if you would like to just you know, if you really like my work tonight and I really appreciate it if you did, uh you want to go straight to buy my book, uh it's just five dollars, um, you can go to CJIV me slash get your grits now. Um and uh that's that's pretty much it.
1: That's just, uh, again, thank you. It's been a wonderful interview and you definitely don't be a stranger. Come back and sit for us.
2: Oh, for sure,
1: for sure. That's what's up. Yeah, that was Cambridge Jenkins. Um, we spent pretty much the whole show talking. It was a very interesting interview. He's a definitely phenomenal poet. Um, but like I said, you have to really get in deep with his work to actually get the understanding and meaning of it. And as it shows how much you appreciate poetry if you actually get it. We're going to move into some music, and uh, the poets will be right back. we got
0: something special we're going to do for you. And uh, I'm going to call KC and JoJo at this time to do this. Some of you might know this song. It's an oldie but goodie. And if you know it, feel free to sing along with me and KC tonight. KC.
3: That fate they said he'd be lucky if he made it to the age 18 he'd be doing great if he made it to the legal drinking age in the united states and he'd be a miracle if he made it to the final age if there's a drop in your insurance rate so when i ask the question are there any real black men left it's not so much to complain about the present state of black men in america today quite to the contrary it's to bring the light to fact that we are a dying breed an endangered species who need someone to champion our cause and wear a shirt that reads save the black man He's dying and being laid in unmarked graves across America. Marked as a John Doe, because no one wants to take the time to find out who he really is. Cause of death listed as unknown, but it should be written in his obituary that his only crime was being born black in an unblack society an unruly slave who dreamed up and knew that he must be free a king that knew he must be the father of a dynasty see we have the queens but there can be no immaculate conception the king needs to step in and inject in the best of him, which will cause children of royalty to be born which will cause a race of true black people to live on it's been so long since I've seen one so tell me are there any real black men left because if so, then maybe they need to stand up and pull their hands up and dirty their hands up, raising up the next generations of Marcus, Mortons, and Malcolms, who will shout from the highest mountain top until the fire that consumes souls rains out their mouth. That from the struggle, I was birthed. And from its oppression, I've been hurt. But because of the blood that I have shed, I have learned that only by overcoming have I earned the right to be called a man. Many things are innate, but manhood is not one of them. It needs to be modeled and it needs to be taught. But our professors are retiring early to that golf course that is six feet below permanent rest until the luxurious resort. Get away with. when you wanna to talk to others. You gotta do it collect. So what are we left with? We're left with little boys who wear real men clothes and drive real men cars and live in real men homes because the only real men they've ever known only existed in their minds. And to them it was fine to deal with the rewards, but to deny the responsibility that came with being a real man. But can we fault them for the sin of not knowing? When we ourselves as a people are guilty of the sin of not showing them how to be a man, how to be a real man, how to be a real black man. So on behalf of all of the little boys who have told me rather than facing this. They want to pay death and to every mother who found it hard to raise that why because she was just too X I asked the question are there any real black men left?
1: Yeah, turned into the original portrait of dark uh, Earlier we did showcase Cambridge Jenkins and right now we were just playing some music and poetry that poetry right there was from T. John Word Smith and I'm about to play two tracks back to back of some old school, especially for my um my chat buddy Ja. This is funny.
0: Sweetheart. I've wanted to tell you how much I love you. How much I care. Loving you. Beautiful.
1: the dark is about to go ahead and close the show out um next tuesday guys the poets will be featuring uh specific pieces um out of my group the black woman poetry and that's a group based out of black uh planet and um basically you know i'm just going to take some pieces and read that as long as with my pieces and we're going to share some music and so on uh the original friday uh we're going to uh do the old school battle and we're also gonna have open night. So, next Tuesday and Friday, eleven PM shop, we'd like to see y'all back in the same seat. I do appreciate the love and all the love you show Cambridge tonight. He appreciated. it. And one love. See you next time.
0: Now we'll have our second time around, but before you go, there's something I like to say. Everything's not wanted to see, there's a stronger force behind.